Let's pray. Dear kind Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for this day that you've given us, a time for us to come together and to learn how we can understand our kids a little better in Pathfinders, maybe how we can make things a little bit more dynamic for them as well. I thank you, Lord, for your love and care. Amen. So just as a quick recap for those of you or for, the, and for those of you who don't know me, I am Marcia Beale. I have been a master guide since 2014 um, when I was invested at Oshkosh. I would have done it private. I would have done it at my own home church, but my sister could be at Oshkosh. Oshkosh, and she was the one who vested me. So that was really important to me. Plus, my mom got to be there. Um, I have been the director of the Stevensville Challenger Club since the year after Oshkosh. Not this past one, but the one before. So I think I'm hitting five years of my directorship of Stevensville Challengers. And before that, I was the director of the Adventure Club for the church. So I've been at this a while. This wasn't my plan for my adult life. Um, I figured when I graduated from eighth grade and was moving on to academy that I did not need to be in Pathfinders anymore. I packed that uniform away and was near to join it again. Well, then a daughter came along and I was going to do adventures with her and then my thought was, well, then her dad can do Pathfinders with her. Well, that didn't quite work out like I had planned it too, so I am now doing Pathfinders. But you know, when, you're, when you go where God wants you to go, there's a real love and passion that can follow you if you just listen to his leading. So um, today we're going to talk about teaching and learning styles, or learning and teaching, that's depending on how we want to do this. So the teaching is the style you would have as the teacher, and then understanding how kids learn is as important as figuring out how you're going to teach. So let's just kind of get at this, but while... We do. Um, it says Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 21. It says, you shall therefore lay up these words. My, anyway, I'm going to skip through that and just read the red bold part. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when they're sitting in your house and when you're walking by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. This is really kind of how I took that. No matter what you do, you're teaching your children. You are an example to those kids and to everybody around you, even when you think that you're not. Our pastor told us a story where real recently, he had only told his wife that he needed to go have his eyes checked. So he was called back into the spot where they check your eyes, and on his way back in, his phone binged, and he picked it up, and there was a note from uh, our church treasurer, and it says, hey, pastor, I hope your eyesight, or I hope your eye doctor visit goes well. And what he hadn't realized is that the treasurer was sitting in the office waiting area, with his father, with his, and um, our pastor had not seen them. So it's just an example of you never know when you're going to be um, noticed. So, but let's just think for a moment. Think about who possibly was your favorite teacher in school or any other place, and why were they your favorite? Or what makes a good teacher? What makes somebody who's you know, right up there, or what makes a bad teacher? We can even look at the, the back side of that, you know? Patience. Patience makes a good teacher? A teacher who will, who will challenge you. Challenge, okay. Not necessarily make it easy. And so, I, I've actually appreciated teachers that have challenged me because I learned later on that it was some 
more beneficial to be challenged than to take the easy. You know, that is so true. I have actually had one kid ask me one time, Miss Marsha, why are, and that's what the kids call me in Pathfinders, um, why do you, why are you so tough on me? I says, that's because I see a quality in you that I'd like to see you grow in. Oh, you know, so just, I says, I'm really not being that tough on you. I'm just giving you some tasks that I think you can rise to the occasion. It's important that we give them ownership. And I think I heard you talking about um, having, giving your kids responsibility before they become TLTs to really kind of filter out if they're going to make. I think, I find it a challenge and I love that kind of a challenge where if I can take somebody who doesn't seemingly have the skills and help them learn to hone them. We have a couple of kids in our club that I would say are, um, there's some mental and emotional challenges there. Um, we're actually working on one. We're trying to come up with um, an agreeable curriculum for them to continue getting their master guide. Because we know we can never put them in a, our challenge is we know we can never put them in a class teaching by themselves. Mentally, they don't have that capability. But, you know, how can I say no to a young person who desperately wants to become a master guide and say, I'm sorry, you're mentally not capable for this? I think that there's a level of inclusion. Well, let's quickly talk about five different teaching styles. See which one of these styles you think maybe fits you the most. The first, and I gave you the sheet so you can make notes on it. The first one is authority. Authority, they are the ones that are, do more lecturing. They'll be, that's the type of teaching style where you're gonna stand up front, I feel like I'm doing it today and I don't like it because it's not my favorite teaching style. Um, there is usually a separation between the audience and the speaker um, because they're usually standing up higher you know, um, they give, they accept little or no feedback. That's where we're slightly different here today. Um, generally speaking, this is more, there's more of a negative effect on learners from a person with that authority teaching style than there is if you have more of an interactive with someone. Um, though they can have a large level of um, influence on people. And you, when you think about popular preachers, um, they, these are people that have large level of influences, but yet not always in the most positive way as well. So the next one is a demonstrator. A demonstrator, or you could also call them a coach, they're going to still show and do things, explain things, um, but they're going to say, okay, this is how you're going to you know, do full, like Julie's gonna explain to us someday how she's doing this extremely intricate folding like none other. Um, she, you have to get her afterwards to have her show you this. But, so they're gonna demonstrate what's happening. They will use different, many, many different types of medium to show you how to do that. So like if they might use even a PowerPoint to, or a, a movie to demonstrate how it's done, they'll bring in all kinds of supplies and say, okay, here, this is how you're gonna to, to do things. So they're really big on class activities, as, um, but sometimes they're so busy with the demonstrations that they forget to have interaction with the people. So that would be a demonstrator. 
A facilitator is uh, somebody who, this is inquiry-based learning. So they're really wanting the students to ask lots of questions. They believe that there's more self-learning with the students. The students would say, okay, I don't know how to find this, or the Pathfinder could come to you and say, I don't know how to find this, and you would help them find it. Like, where are the 27 fun or 28 fundamental beliefs found? You would then help them find those. So you're considered, as the teacher, you're considered more of a helper than you are the person just feeding them information. This allows for students to have a lot of self-expression, which means that they can definitely say what's on their mind, and this is really big for small groups. The delegator. The delegator is actually really big into collaboration. So they believe in working in groups. They will be more of an observer. They will give the group a project. They will then walk around and take a look to see how each group is doing. So that, and so they will then have the, them working in projects. They are in teams. They will be more, they believe in students' independence. So they want the students to be able to go and find that information instead of a student coming up and saying, where do I find the 28 fundamental beliefs? You, they would look at them and say, well, why don't you go figure it out? Mm -hmm. And if you had trouble figuring it out, then come back and talk to me, and then we will step in. There's a lot of freedom of choice that's given with the delegator. The last one is called a conductor. I'd probably say that this is me. I prefer the conducting, you might say, aspect of teaching, where it's called a hybrid. It's got the traditional kind of, I'm gonna give you information. At the same time, different types of medium will be used or activities will be used. Um, it will be one of which there is still lots of feedback going back and forth, but at times there is a high level of expectation on all learners. And so sometimes for inexperienced learners, that's a difficult learning style for them. So if somebody's teaching that way, they might have a harder time grasping that. So that has to actually be taught to them. So those are our basic types of teaching styles. And I'm going through those fairly quickly because to me today is more all about nearing the end activity that we're going to be working through together. So then the next thing, the next thing here we have is, now we have our learning styles. Now this is where the challenge becomes. How do we merge learning styles with teaching styles? So what do you do with someone like me who has to sit in a large lecture? And I don't like sitting in large lectures. Pardon? That's why we're small. <laughs> That's right. That's right, I don't have to sit. But what do you think I do with sermons? How well do you think I sit and listen to sermons? I don't. I actually, most of the time, watch church in my Sabbath school classroom. Because I have to be there, I'm there because I'm teaching Sabbath school. But I don't go into the sanctuary very often because while I'm in my Sabbath school classroom, I can be up moving around. 
um, finding things to do just to keep myself engaged. I think I started doing that when the one pastor didn't, wasn't very happy that I cross-stitched in church. <laughs> and they told me they didn't think that was a good idea. I said, well, okay. <laughs> he was a friend of mine. He still is. Just because him and I don't see eye to eye in how I think that I should be able to, to do some things in church, but that's okay. So, yeah, I looked at him and I says, well, obviously you and I are not going to agree on this, but we were getting it through. <laughs> so now here comes, what are these listening, what are, what are these learning styles? What are listening styles? We talked about listening yesterday. So listening, um, or learning, I should say. Learning, the first one is the visual learner, which is up here represented by the eyeball. Um, these, per, these people prefer learning by observation. So they're going to watch something happen. They're, they're into pictures, diagrams. Um, they can easily visualize information that's given them. They can make sense of it. I am not this type of a, not totally this type of a visual learner like that. Um, I need a combination of a couple of these to really make it stick. One of the worst things my mom used, my, did, my mom has tried, or it's not worst things, she tried to get me to do growing up, we actually were learning how to sew. And she would say, here's a pattern. Would you figure out how to, to cut everything out? And I look at it, and you just might as well throw in a foreign language in front of me. Don't give me an instruction manual as to how to put something together. Oh, like these bookcases they want you to I think I love the concept of IKEA, but I can't stand it because I can't understand how to put things together that way. But if you show me one time, I pretty much can remember then how to do it. But for me to actually just take something and for somebody to speak and me to have the correct visualization, my brain does all kinds of funny things. You know how yesterday we were talking about how our brain can um, process or like think up to 3,000 words a minute? Or, so you can imagine, my, my brain is so weird, it just does all kinds of funny things out there. And I can come up with, I, I think of jokes while people are, are saying things because that's just how my brain works. Anyway, so the next one is an, um, an audio or an auditory learner. This is where sound and music are strong suit for these types of learners. They're really good at doing things in the sense of rhythm. That brings kind of like more of that music over there. Um, they can be one to easily put things to a rhythm, to a poem, um, a new, something that makes it very um, mnemonic where if they can just hear it. Now there is one thing that has stuck like that for me and that's the books of the Bible song. So whenever anybody says, okay, let's do some books of the Bible, and I'm like, okay, I have to run through it real fast in my head, especially when you come to those last probably 20 in the Old Testament and trying to figure out what order they come in, I'm like, <laughs> so. <laughs> but yeah, that's this type of a learner. They're, they're, they're able to do that. Um, the next one is a verbal or a linguistics learner. These prefer using words, both in speech and in writing. They can express themselves and usually love to read and write. 
Verbal learners tend to have a vast vocabulary and excel in activities that involve speaking, debating, and journalism. Down here. The physical learner, or the kinesthetic, thank you, kinesthetic, I, can, I struggle with that word, is what, um, using your body or your hands, and this is where everything's about the sense of touch. So they want to be, like physical activities is really important. Something like that where, yeah, sports play a big part. They want to get in on the hands-on. Um, they love to tinker, um, and they learn best when they can do rather than see or hear. Oh, yes. Uh, do you feel like that, Julie? Some days? <laughs> then we have the logical learner. This is the mathematical learner. And this is where logic, reasoning, and numbers are involved. They're, these learners are sure to excel. These learners function and solve complex pro pro problems by employing strategies and their scientific way of thinking. Computer programmers, mathematicians, obviously are going to be some of these types of learners. The crazy thing is, is not everybody's gonna fit one of these perfectly, but some of you might even begin seeing yourself in a strong point of being one of these types of learners. Then you have the social or the interpersonal learner. This person loves working in groups um, because they like to have that interaction with other people. They, these would be like, these people work in think tanks really well, what they call, um, because there's this communicating with each other. They feel the synergy when a group of people get together and they start having conversations. Um, they just kind of feed off of one another. These people are, will be your better listeners and are um, more apt to have better social skills than some of your other learners, like a mathematician or a computer programmer. Then you have the solidary, the solitary learner or the intrapersonal. This is where this person prefers self-study and likes to work alone very independent. Um, they are very self-aware and in tune with their own thoughts and feelings, and these learners prefer being away from the crowds and learn best in a quiet place where they can focus on the task at hand. So that is quickly, in a nutshell, learning style. So let's kind of back up for a moment and take a look at your sheets, and you've got your sheet that's got the different learning styles, and you've got your sheet that has the different teaching styles. So let's go kind of think through these for a moment. If you have the authority teaching style where you're like a lecturer standing up front just spewing out the information, what type of learners are you most apt to be able to tap into? The interper or the intrapersonal? The, the first one? The interpersonal learner? Not the group the one by themselves. Oh, the intrapersonal. There's a difference between interpersonal, meaning more than one person. Intrapersonal is the internal. Is they like to be alone. Linguistic. Linguistic is going to be one? Absolutely. Any others? of those types of learners? Sometimes the logical and mathematical 
Right. Some, some, that is correct. How about the auditory learner? Because they can hear things and they can put things to music. Depends on how that person, how the lecturer is going to do this. All right, good. Moving on to the demonstrator. Of the demonstrator, who are they most apt to be able to reach? The, 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 visual. the visual will be one of them. Kinesthetic, yes. So now, what about the facilitator? Who are they going to most likely connect with? Interpersonal. Interpersonal. That is correct. Anybody else will they likely to connect with? They, they really can, yes. So there's really not, quite honestly, we're not necessarily going to hit a one-size-fits-all. But it's kind of just to begin becoming aware of what is it that... You know, when we think about learning and teach, you know, teaching in how students learn. Okay, moving down to the delegator. Who's going to like a delegator? What type of learner will like a delegator? Interpersonal and intrapersonal. Because they're not going to want, they, they don't mind being given just told, go find, go do, delegate out. They're good to that. And then the conductor, that multi, that multi one. The reality is the conductor should be able to reach them all. Okay? So your conductor should have the ability to be able to reach any type of learner. That is the power of being a conductor. Is when you're thinking about your own kids in Pathfinders, and if you want to, because ideally, what I'm working towards is for you today to be able to say, this is something that I need to teach in my class, in my, for my Pathfinders or for my youth group, whatever it is that you're doing. This is what I need to teach. But how can I best go about teaching that based on my style of how I prefer teaching Versus, and then how that works with what I'm perceiving to be the types of learners we have. Because you may not feel comfortable being what's called a conductor. Conductors have to have the ability to, lack of a better phrase, fly by the seat of your pants. Because you have to be willing to move and, and change as you see the needs changing. And that can be very uncomfortable for someone. Um, where, where me, I fly by the seat in my, in my pants, and my staff will tell you in Pathfinders, they literally say, I had once one person explain me to some, a new person, and they says, listen, we serve at the pleasure of Marsha, and it's usually sit down, buckle up, and hang on. Because they never know, because the brain that works up here, how it's going to rotate. But then at the same time, I can do that, but I'm also the leader of the early teen Sabbath school class. And I can take, you could throw something to me on a Sabbath morning and I can come up with something and I can do that. Where I have one of my people who's supposed to help me out, she needs me to let her know almost three weeks in advance what I need her to do because she gets very anxious about I'm like, just read this, ask these questions, you're good to go. She's like, Marsha, I am not like you. 
I'm like, okay, okay. So anyway, what we're getting at here is we need to figure out, so if I was to take, I, and I do, I have done this before. I've taken I've, on my computer a little better. I have drawn myself a chart, um, teaching styles, right? And over here are gonna be the learning styles. And the learning styles, the first one is, what again? Authority. Oh, there you go. So my topic is origami. I'm gonna teach this honor, okay? So when I'm thinking of this, oh, let's go down and put initials here by the teaching style so I remember them. This is authoritative. This is, the next one was demo, facilitator, and then conductor. All right, so then if I'm taking thinking of origami, and I think, okay, is an authoritative style helpful when I'm doing origami? Would you say that it's helpful? No, so I really can say, you know what, this is not gonna work across the board. So I can come in here and do this. Then I come down here to demo. Well, demo is one that absolutely would be good. So then I can begin thinking, okay, for a demo, I've got the visual learner. What do I need to do here to make the learning good for a visual learner? Like that. I'm gonna demonstrate, right? Okay, what about, and I'm gonna demonstrate from the front here. What about the kinesics learner? All right, I'm gonna give them paper. What about a musical learner? Is there really anything that you can do too much? And there, we won't have everything filled in across the board. And so you can easily say no, and I probably would. Um, how about a linguistic learner? Talk through the process. Okay. A logical learner. That is correct. You're going to explain why. You're going to put them into groups and have them help each other. This person here, you're going to, you're going to give them instructions and a sheet of paper. Yep. Okay. That's going to be, that's how I, I think through that. So then if you come down, what is a teaching style a facilitator going to do? Facilitator. How are they going to deal? Will they be fairly consistent across the board as to how they deal with each of these? What's a facilitator learner do again? I mean, teacher. What's that teaching style do again? So this person here, they're just going to say, hey, you got to come find me. So they're truthfully, their style might not change across the board. They might think nothing differently about these learners, okay? So, but they might say, you know what? Facilitating a visual person, I'm gonna make sure that they can see. We wanna just kind of argue something here. I wanna make sure that they can feel musical. Um, we could create a cadence, okay? Linguistic, we could also do a cadence. Um, logical, mm, probably not much. Interpersonal, 
we are just, these people are going to drive us nuts. Okay? Because the facilitator, they're just going to be like, okay, I'm just kind of going to go around, and these people are going to want you to be spending more time with them. So um, I'm just going to, I'm going to question mark that one. And then, in, in, and you're going to love this person because they're just going to go and do. Okay, a delegator, they are going to just give everybody the instructions or they're going to choose people to say, you are going to be in charge of this, you're going to be in charge of that. Because a delegator believes that these people need to teach each other. So they're going to just, across the board, they will have students teach each other. And they will see, and they will begin seeing who can teach which group. This is one good thing that a delegator has. They have the ability to go, oh, they have that, Paul has that skill, I'm going to have him connect over here. Or Frederick, I'm going to want him to work over here because I see the skills that they have. If you have a group of really quiet people together, you're probably going to put somebody in a little more talkative. It's going to drive the talkative person nuts, but it's going to help you out as the teacher. Okay? The conductor, they are just going to nail every single one of these things. So for the visual, they will actually do, they'll do a hands-on demo. They will then provide videos. Um, they will provide how-to instructions. They'll be really thorough. For the um, kinesthetic, um, what they will do regarding origami, they will provide multiple types of paper. Yes. And they will then make sure that um, they will realize that this type of learner is not going to want to sit still, that this type of learner is going to want to move around. And so they're going to be willing to let chaos happen here. There's going to be chaos here because this person will have a hard time following instructions as well. Musical ones, they will encourage them to sing while they do their um, origami. Linguistic one, they will make sure that there's lots of written instructions. Words, no pictures. The logical one, you do, but not always. I've seen people do it without it. It's pretty scary. It is very scary. Um, for the logical learner, the, um, the conductor probably struggles the most with the logical learner because they are so much into these other types that trying to figure out for somebody who's really logical is a waste of their time. And I speak from personal experience. Logical learners drive me nuts because they have to have everything in a step-by-step -step process. But they will make sure that they, it is available. Then you have the interpersonal um, learner that they will make sure they get in a group. And the conductor loves groups. They, they can connect very easily with groups because they are Generally speaking, a conductor is a high interpersonal learner. Then you have the intras. They're just going to give them instructions and don't have to worry about them. You see how 
So why did I go through all that? Because this is my challenge for you. I would like you in the next, what, we're about 3 o'clock? I think there's a glare on that clock. Um, so for the next five, seven minutes or so, I'm going to let you choose whether you want to work in groups or whether you want to work solidarity by yourself. But I'd like you to think of at least one thing that you need, you would be teaching either somebody in Pathfinders or in a youth group. Whether it's the Bible study, whether it's like in Pathfinders, it's investiture achievement, or whether it's a specific honor. Okay? And I have here for you lesson templates. So you can start filling this out. And I, you don't have to touch on all, to be honest with you, it's very time consuming for you as the um, teacher to try and touch each one of those types of learners. And I would probably say that for this activity, try and figure out how you'll touch on three of them. Okay? So anybody have um, a topic they'd like me to tackle besides origami, bookwork? <coughs> They do. How do you do your, do you guys have a consistent knot tying thing? You guys can do this consistently knot tying? Do they embrace knot tying? Yes. They do? Wow. My kids did not this, till this last year. Then at the end, near the end, we have, so we meet twice a month on a Sunday morning from 9.30 to 12.30. Okay. Pardon? Oh, 9.30 to 10, oh, 12.30. So it's, it's a little hall there. But what we do is we stop, and then the thing that we do is I decided that the first Sunday of the month, we just focus on investiture achievement, which would be the book work, and because there's honors and other things that are required in there. And then the, the second Sunday, of the, or the last Sunday of the month we meet, or the third Sunday we meet, um, we do, like that would be where we would have club honor time, community service, or sharing our faith time or anything special that my brain thinks of. And so what we do is we stop that all like right about 12. And every kid is given, has a rope. They have a bag, that a backpack, that we give them like these little nylon backpacks. They are to keep their Bible in it, their book in it, their, um, this last year they had a mask or gator in it that we had provided. And then, um, the other thing is they would have, they, we bought, we gave them all each rope. And so they, are, they were to bring those. And that's all part of, we do a check, when you check in with your um, unit leader, that's all part of, you have all these items. The yes, we do. Yeah. And um, so then we, what we do is we then have our, the guy who teaches knots, he then stands up front and he will demonstrate to them a knot. And then we give them a couple minutes, about five minutes to practice it, and then we have a contest. And so what it is is we get staff members lined up so that we can watch the rows, and the kids start with their hands in the air, and when um, Nathan says go, they tie it, have to throw the knot, or throw the rope on the ground and put their hands up in the air, and the staff is watching to see who's the first one to get it done. 
and then they get they get prizes for doing that. And so we have had some serious competition. It has offended the boys that we have a little girl who was in a, a friend in friend class that Andre could tie some of those basic knots faster than those boys, and that bothered them. That bothered them bad. But she was thrilled because she could do something that those big boys just couldn't seem to get done as fast. And so one of them says, "Well, she has a lot less." way to throw it to the ground than what we have. I'm like, seriously, boys? No, 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 we're, we're not going to deal with this. But no, that's, so that's how we got them excited about not tying. We made it a game. So make what you can, <coughs> games out of stuff. So um, that's just kind of how we've done the knots. The other thing we, so that, that's been really big for us this year. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and First and Second Samuel. And then it's how can you sing it faster than Miss Marsha? It's another game. Make gamify it if you can. Gamify it. Now, also at the end of every club meeting, um, I pass out warm and fuzzy awards. But the um, Warm and Fuzzy Award is awards that um, I go to my, I mean, I go to Walmart and I buy these little fleece blankets for $2.50 a piece. Yeah. And if kids are caught doing something that makes my heart feel warm and fuzzy, they get a blanket. And so I began passing them out also as awards for the knot tying, how fast they could get. Oh, and it has to not only be tied fastest, but who ties it correctly. Yes. And um, so, anyway, so that's just some ideas. I am more than willing to help generate. I'm an idea generator. I can come up with all kinds of ways to do all kinds of things. All right, well, I need to end us in prayer and so that we can continue on. Dear Jesus, I want to thank you so much for this great time we've had together and this time we've had to communicate with one another, generating ideas, thinking of new ways that we can maybe help these kids um, make their learning stick and to be excited about it. And Lord, we need to understand that we as leaders have to be excited about it before we can even let our, get our kids to be excited about it. So Lord, I pray today that as we leave that um, we will make sure that we're always excited for you. Amen.